Hi, I'm Josh Arendi, class of 1999, and you're watching Dingo Talk. Two. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Josh Arendi, class of 1999. Josh is going to talk about joining a fraternity, which was not on his radar when he came to college. Uh, that led into working for the national organization um, and then helped him start the companies that he has started since. Uh, we're also going to hear about a book, a couple books actually, and kind of what Josh does in his everyday life. So without further ado, Josh Arendi. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Josh Arendi, class of 1999. Josh, thank you for stopping by. Thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here. So I got to jump right in. You're a guy from Pittsburgh, Thomas Jefferson High School. 1994 going into 95 to graduate and you played soccer i did it's a very exciting time to be getting recruited to bethany college right around there so why why bethany and was it always something on your radar or was there did you come to camps how did how did you find Bethany? yeah beth bethany was not my first choice um, I was excited to go to Grove City, north of Pittsburgh, and uh, did not have the grades, and the coach wasn't in as interested in me as I was in the school, and my dad uh, was, uh, was pretty direct with me that he didn't think that I was applying myself or my grades were good enough to get into most of the schools that I wanted to go into, and so I remember just being like angry at my dad, angry at Grove City. I was just I was just done with the process, right? I had stacks of, you remember like all the brochures that they used to say, right? Brochure stacks just full of, in like in a giant eagle bag, you know, dangling off my dresser or something, right? And just being mad and remembering, you know what? Like I had been going to Bethany soccer camps for I think two or three years and it was a positive experience. And I thought, man, I like, I could, I guess I could go there. Like, I think, I think maybe that's a place I could be okay with. I wasn't excited. It wasn't go like rah, rah for me. Um, and so I went and so my parents drove me down and we sat down with JC and uh, we told him like, we're broke and my grades suck. And uh, I want to play on the soccer team. And let me show you a bazillion things I was involved in in high school. And uh, he just was very honest with us. He talked to us about them winning the national title uh, he said, hey, there's a lot of demand. Our goalkeeper has just left. That was the position I played. And uh, he said, you know, you'll have a chance like everybody else will, but let me do my best to work with the Bethany administration and see if we can make it, you know, if you can get in and to see if it's, you know, if it's a place that maybe we can make it more affordable for your family. And I have no idea what magic JC pulls out, but for anybody who knows him or has been in a similar conversation, some one way or another, I got an acceptance letter. And uh, next thing you know, I spent that summer, you know, preconditioning, just trying to think about how the hell am I going to make it onto this team, you know, showed up and Carlo, I, uh, I don't know if people, everybody knows about the national team, you know, the, the big win, right. But the team afterwards, um, I, from memory, I think we had 13 goalkeepers for anybody who doesn't know soccer. There's only 11 players on the team total. We had 13 goalkeepers come out. There was one scrimmage, I think we had just goalkeepers playing the rest of the team for pure comedy. Uh, and so the, comp yeah, the competition was, was you know, at all time high, right? Uh, and I loved that. I just ate it up. I thought it was great. 
Well, and that 95 team wasn't a, kind of similar to the 93 team wasn't a slouch. They just didn't win. They didn't inevitably win a national title. I mean, there's still a PAC championship in there. There's part of that whole stretch. So it's not like you were coming into a team that was in full rebuild mode, but goalie wise, you gra- they graduated a senior goalie and then JC apparently decided I'm going to field a whole team of goalies. We'll find someone. Yeah, he loaded the boat is basically what happened, right? I don't know if that was by design or just happenstance, but I was one of many. So, and you you talked about, you did you struggle academically because of lack of effort? And did that change here at Bethany? Or was it just, you know, get by because I'm here, I'm more or less, I want to play sports. I want to be involved in the clubs. And Yeah, so I, I mean, in high school, I cared more about making my friends laugh, playing five sports, uh, dating my girlfriend at the time, you know, and just trying to stay under the radar of getting in too much trouble. And school was important, but never important enough to really put in the work. And so it wasn't until probably my senior year that I realized I needed to pick up my game. And at that point, my GPA was low and I had to try to do some recovery. The good news is I did. I did really well my senior year, but, um, you know, when you start out with two bad years, it's not really easy to, you know, I mean, to pull it all back up. And so I was able to tell a compelling story, but I needed a school that would listen. And, you know, if it was just a resume, I wasn't getting in the places I wanted to get into. So when you got to Bethany, did you find the academic side of it hard or was it once you focused in the, or, and into studying habits and whatnot, did it really just come as this is what I have to do to get to this next step? Yeah, I think it depended on the, here's what was important to me, the class size and the community and the intimacy of the academic side of Bethany is what I absolutely had to have. I should not have been trusted on my own at any time uh, at 18, 19 years old. I really, I needed that support system. Um, If there was a way to be able to hide or slide under the curtain, I would have done it, but you can't at Bethany. Um, So classes that I, um, that I had a professor that I engaged with or a topic that I enjoyed, I didn't, I didn't really struggle with. Um, But, but I was, I'm not a math guy. I remember taking math classes, you know, I think it was a first maybe econ or something I had to take as a prereq. And I ended up coming back and doing it in J term, you know, is that was the only way I could get through it. So I did extremely, I mean, I think I finished a three, five or something like that by the time it was all done. Um, so I did well and I set a good pace that first year, but there were definitely classes I needed hand holding and extra support. And I got it because of Bethany doing what it does naturally. And so moving from the academic side, we'll talk athletics. How did, so you come into that first year, there's 13 other goalies on the roster. How does soccer go for you? And what was it like playing under John Cunningham? Yeah, I mean, it was, I'll tell you what, I I like the practices as much as I like the games. I mean, I mean, that's weird to say, but like, I didn't get a ton of playing time that first year. I think we were all battling each other and nobody really established themselves as the guy. And so I think I played a game or, game and a half, you know, played some JV squad stuff. Um, the, the time I got, I cherished and, uh, and I loved it. I loved working with JC. I loved working with Jack. You know, I really liked the coaching I was getting. I felt myself becoming a better player. Um, you know, hindsight 2020, I wish I would have got some of that exposure earlier. So I had come to the team, you know, as even a better player. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I'm Carla, my daughter's nine. Uh, I've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, right? And they're both playing, uh, they're both playing soccer. And my nine-year-old is all in, man, all in. Like it's it's a big deal for her, right? And I'm watching her, she's literally learning 
drill work now at nine, 10 years old that I wasn't exposed to and probably till probably seventh or eighth grade, you know, and, uh, and it's just, it's, a, it's clicking for me now to say like, okay, I was a little late to the game. Mm-hmm. I was late academically. I was probably late when it came to, you know, soccer. There's just, I think there's things now, this is what we all do. We try to make our lives better for our kids than maybe what we had, right? And I find myself replaying my Bethany story and my soccer story as I'm working to become a better father. Well, and soccer as a whole, when you're coming up, is still growing in America, whereas now it has, especially for young females with the U.S. women's team being as, yeah. as dominant as they are, it's giving that path to, oh, I can do this. I just have to. Yeah. So Carl, I would, I, That really wouldn't even have crossed my mind. I was home for Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago, and my mom reminded me, we're talking about autumn and soccer, and um, my mom reminded me that the team I played on in Pittsburgh when I was her age was the first soccer team that existed in our community. There was nowhere else to sign up. I was actually on the first team in, the, in that community at probably eight years old or nine years old, something like that, right? And so you're right. It was infancy as I was kind of coming of age, right? And so Bethany Camps was advanced at that time. You know, there weren't, there wasn't a soccer camp on every corner. You know, that's yeah. not the way things were then. And so you're right. Opportunities are better now. I mean, curriculum and content is better. There's way more opportunities. It's a better all around, it's better for everyone, men and women. And then now we get to the 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 fun side of Bethany. I mean, not that soccer wasn't fun, and I'm sure, like you said, in the classes that you enjoyed, they were they were fun in their own way. But the social aspect of Bethany, and you have a little bit of an interesting time with your social, being that I know that you're an Alpha Sig, and that you had you were one of the last groups that had the opportunity to be up there at Point Breeze. Um, well, why Greek life first? Was that something you were coming into college and doing? You were going Greek? No. no. <laughs> well, there was like, I remember I went to, I came back to Bethany and met with all the fraternity sorority members. And I asked the question, how many of you thought you were going to be a member of a fraternity or sorority um, before you found your organization? I did like less than 3%, like they're one or two hands max. And it's because their dad or their grandmother or somebody was right. People don't come to Bethany to be in fraternities and sororities yet half of the community, right? You typically finds its way into Greek life, depending on the year and the era, right? It's a, I'll tell you what, fraternity life was transformational for me. I didn't come to school to be in a fraternity. Um, Credit John Edwards, my roommate, you know, freshman year living in Moreland Hall, for dragging me up to Point Breeze and introducing me to Darren O'Toole and the rest of the guys up there. And I remember seeing Point Breeze and thinking, this place is a piece of shit. Like, holy cow, these guys are effed up. Why the hell does anybody? And then all of a sudden I start having these personal conversations and it's like, oh my God, this thing could become really special. And if with a little bit of work, this house could become amazing. And holy shit, like the, all the soccer players were in the, t- were in the house. And I was like, some of my best friends are here. Like they're making this. And all of a sudden it started to click for me that like, oh, maybe this is a place I can see myself, you know? And so Alpha Sig at the time was dying. It did not have a good reputation. You know, it was maybe, I don't memory, maybe 13 guys left in the house. They were barely paying the bills. I had a reputation of Alpha Sigma High at the time, I think, or something crazy like that, right? And there was just, bad, just it, it wasn't good. And then here comes this massive wave of soccer players, you know, and they put together a 21, 22 person pledge class. You know, I think 16, 17 of us were soccer players. And, uh, 
you know, when I joined, when I joined that group, you know, I just, I'm Carlo, I'm not very good at joining things and just being a passive member. I feel like once I say I'm going to, I'm in, I'm just like, I'm all in, right. I'm a little bit intense. And so they were silly enough to make me the pledge class president. And once that happened, it was kind of hook, line and sinker, man. It was game over. Yeah. So, um, and the reason for those of you at home that don't know, Josh and I go all the way, we go back, it's 11 years now. Uh, it's 11 years since we reached 10 years since we restarted. Um, and as Josh said, when he's, when he's all in, he's all in there. The first meeting we ever had, he looked at, uh, Corey Arrington and myself and kind of told us like, Hey, we like, we think you guys have a real opportunity here, but you, they're, they're, they're very thin ice. And I remember you and I had a lot of conversations of, you know, man, I told you thin ice. If the ice gets any thinner, you're going to be real. Like you're going to be swimming. Yeah. And and we went through some times, as Josh said, where the ups and downs of Greek life here at Bethany have, have been when you have that class of 21 or 12 now, I think is a big, not big deal. If you can get double digits, it's great. We went through some years, early 2010, 2010, 2011, 2012. I think we got three guys every, every semester. And maybe two of those guys ended up making it through to the next year. I mean, we were at a point where we had 13 guys that were from the original restart group and without Josh and Larry Grimes and Bill Kiefer, Steve Latour and the, and the people at nationals, there's no office at Bethany anymore. I mean, we, we, they stretched as thin. You guys did. You stretched as, us as thin as possible in the sense of, okay, we get it, but like, yeah, don't do that anymore. We, we need to, we need to do these. We don't need to do this. We need to do that. Um, what other aspects of social life at Bethany? I mean, Bubba's was a big deal. Uh, were well, there Bubba's was a big deal. Speakers. Yeah. I was, I, no, I feel like Bubba's was a big deal to other people. It wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't. Carl, I was broke, man. I was, I was going home on the breaks and working my tail off just to afford fraternity dues and trying to impress my girlfriend, right? And like be able to take her to Wendy's and Wellsburg. You know what I mean? Like that. That's <laughs> that was. That's like how glorious my life was, right? And so I just, I just remember thinking like, wow, where does everybody find money to be able to buy these $2 beers they're talking about or whatever, right? Like, I just, it wasn't my thing. I didn't drink until my sophomore, maybe junior year. It wasn't, alcohol wasn't really part of my, my life. And uh, I don't know, but I, I understood and appreciated what Bubba's was. And I loved the wings. I loved hanging out with my buddies. But social life for me was a lot about like, you know, dating, you know, relationships that I was in. Um, I tried to, I, tr I was involved in a million things. Like one of the things I love about Bethany is you can join everything, right? Mm -hmm. How, like, I dare you to raise your hand or say yes in a room because you're going to end up in three different things, right? Like it's that, and I'm just kind of a guy that likes to say yes. And, uh, you know, I want to, I want to be involved in a lot of things. And so I was, and I must've had, I did this for fun the other day, but I think I had like 15 work study jobs or something like that over the course of four years. So you know, it's like everywhere I could touch on campus to make a buck, I was trying to do it. Um, and then becoming the president of Alpha Sig was a huge time commitment. You know, sometimes I joke and said I, I think I majored in fraternity and minored in my major. You know, and that served me really, really well. You know, it's like uh, when I wasn't, you know, my social outlet was either hang out with the fraternity guys, spend time with my girlfriend, or go back to Pittsburgh and see my folks you know, and, uh, and try to balance all, you know, and work and try to balance all those things. And that was, that was more than I had time to try to manage. 
Were there any guest speakers or concerts that stand out to you for during that during your time? Yeah, I, mean, I know there were concerts that I attended, but I don't remember. I can't tell you who they were uh, for a variety of reasons. But I, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, those those were those were fun, but those weren't highlights for me. You know, like I was uh, I was re I was very wrapped up in soccer, very wrapped up in in the fraternity, and uh, zero regrets about how I spent any of that time. I did do a couple of speakers. I did do a couple of the you know on campus stuff. I'd go to Renner. I do the art shows. I just I enjoyed that stuff. Um, but those are, those all felt like extras to me. I was, uh, I was really into what I was into. So lastly, and before we send it to, to chambers and chambers general store, do you have any, any, uh, any stories of your time in chambers? I mean, I know money was tight, but is there any, any recollection of chambers that pops out to you or memory from chambers? I'll tell you one. Uh, so when I went to Bethany camps, these are some of my earliest memories at Bethany camp. Um, there was a, uh, a pinball machine in the store next to Chambers. What was the, what's the corner store called? College yeah, the college gym, right? And I would go in there and play this like circus time game, right? And spend a buck 50 during the whole you know afternoon break or whatever. And then go next door to Chambers and get a, uh, and get a sand, like a handmade sandwich, right? And watch him like shave the, you know, shave the meat down. And man, the bread was so soft and you know, walk through the little grocery aisle. And I do remember thinking like, who the hell shops here? Like, this is crazy, <laughs> right? But, but at the time, right, it wasn't relevant to me, right? But that sandwich, man, that still sticks with me and watching him hand make it. It's funny how that personal touch, man, that's part of the magic of Chambers. Well, and, and as he said, you know, Chambers General Store, it, the, that's how we got to, if they don't have it, you don't need it because it was better putting that on a shirt than who the hell shops here? Because- <laughs> You got your lunch meat, you got your uh, tools above this. If you need any cleaning products, they're over on the other corner of the store. There's every nail, nut, nut, bolt, screw that you can think of. Um, and Chambers General Store, for the food side, we are in that time. Soups are here every day. There's a different soup. Uh, daily lunch specials. First Friday of every month is Fish Friday. Uh, as I pointed out, there's a t-shirt. Burn orange. It says Chambers General Store on the front right here, and on the back it says if they if we don't have it, you don't need it. Uh, they also have the Shroom Capital World shirts, which are the third edition, and they're a, I believe I was told to call them psychedelic green. So on that note, I will send it to Harry Chambers. I'm probably one. You know, Josh Arendi, class of 1999. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour, and we will be right back. While you're in Bethany, make sure you stop in the store for a daily lunch special, breakfast sandwiches all day, try out the biscuits and gravy, guaranteed it'll fill you up, and also look for our new burnt orange chambers, if we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirts, and our psychedelic green third edition Bethany mushroom capital of the world t-shirts. Now back to you, Dingo. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Josh Arendi, class of 1999. We left off with Josh telling us about soccer, academics, and his passion for the fraternity life here at Bethany. And that will move on in this section when we get to what Josh is doing now and what he has done uh, since he's left Bethany. But first, we got to talk about that damn test that connects all of us with the blue books and the the week of studying and the panic that goes into it. Josh, how did comps, obviously comps went well. We wouldn't be talking if they didn't, but 
how uh as a history major correct that's what you got your yeah. your, your bachelor's in um how did comps go for you how was studying what were some studying techniques as we have people that will be taking comps when this episode comes out yeah i re uh, i remember being so stressed i compartmentalized it and just avoided it for a while and then uh maybe a two weeks out I kind of had that oh shit moment and was like, okay. And I uh, got the old books out, got the old notes out. Uh, my roommate was a history major, a couple other guys in the history major, you know, history department kind of chipped in and we all decided to do study sessions together. And then I'll, I'll be honest with you, Carla, I, I am the, I'm the wrong person to get advice from about this stuff, but I'm just going to tell you what I did. Cause that's my story. Man, I, almost every test I took at Bethany, I started studying at 10 PM. And I finished somewhere between 2 a.m. and 7.58 a.m. for an 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Like I was just, I was an all-nighter guy. Like if it was important, I would just stay up and grind. And then I put it out, which was reasonably effective for me, but not in terms of retention of content. Mm -hmm. And when comps came around, I mean, it was literally like some of that stuff I was looking at, I barely remembered touching in the first place, which is why comps exist. You know, like it was, you, if you didn't learn it the first time, you better go back and relearn it. And so I had a lot of relearning to do. And so it was, uh, it was a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of pressure and grinding for at least a week. I, I think it was closer to two weeks. And uh, when it was all said and done, I'll tell you what really worked for me is um, once, I mean, once the test comes, you can only do what you, you know, you're either ready or you're not. And I just, I remember the sessions um, sitting in Gary Kappel's living room, you know, with three, four, five people my senior year and just depth of conversation. And for the first time, it wasn't stuff I had to memorize in a book. It, the, the history came to life for me. And I understood, you know, big T, small T truth of history and revisionist history and like some advanced principles of really digging into my major at that point, right? And um, and I felt there was some comfort for me of being able to lean back into depth of awareness and some of those deep conversations um, that I had with professors and other, other people in the department. Uh, and so I leaned on that for a good, especially the, the verbal portion. Well, it's interesting that you, you bring up the, the study sessions in Gary Kappel's living room because I, don't, I think when I've had prior guests and they talk about how that used to be a, a normal thing is that faculty would have meetings and, and sometimes classes. I know Dr. Grimes used to hold classes on that beautiful back port, back, back deck of his. Um, it's interesting that even to 99, you were still, there was still that connection with the, with the professors that you could go down and be in their living room and be almost in there. You're, you're not necessarily, it's not a classroom anymore. You're in a very personal, very calm kind of setting with a person that is your is your educator but is looking at you and saying look maybe this will help um just an interesting niche of bethany that i don't think uh well, we have anymore here's here's the deal carla you asked me during the break you said kind of like what's the brand of of bethany right and for me bethany would bethany is bethany's family bethany is community right um it's such a close community and so so deeply tied to relationships that it's they're just richer and deeper at a small school. People genuinely care. And there were these examples of 
sincerity and connection that I experienced at Bethany that I'd never felt in my life. Like at Bethany, distractions are reduced. We don't even have red lights. You know what I mean? Like One distractions, distractions are reduced, you know, and it's like everywhere you look, there's an invitation, an unexpected invitation to be involved or to connect. Right. And sometimes in my freshman year, that was on the lawn in front of Maine talking about philosophy and the soccer team, you know, it was like this group of 13 in the fraternity was this intimate pledge class, you know, in Gary's living or Gary's living room and, you know, Larry taking us on a ghost tour. And then afterwards, just getting to know him and understand getting a mentor, you know, for life. And um, even Ken, you know, is recently retired, right? Like I remember taking those art classes and they weren't about art. They were about having somebody that I could really confide in. And, you know, he helped me shape the way that I kind of saw the world through art and, like that's that's the Bethany brand. It's 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 hard to articulate because it's like saying to somebody, describe your family, and your, you first, and your first first yeah. Well, and your first reaction is to say like, oh, dysfunctional, and point out things that are wrong with your your, your weird uncle, right? But the reality is, it's family. Hey, and I brought my baby with me. It's it's family, right? And it's all the good and the bad that comes with it. Right. And most people would say they'd never trade their family in for a million dollars. Right. I, I wouldn't trade my Bethany experience for a million dollars. It wasn't even what I was looking for. Carl, I told you it's not what I wanted. Yeah. It might have been the best mistake I ever made. And I still today cherish it. I look at examples. I, so Jim Sidek is my roommate in the you know, in fraternity. We just met recently in downtown Indianapolis. And we were just kind of going through all the people we hung out with. And it's success story after success story after career success, family success. And Bethany breeds a different type of person. And the only thing I can come back to about why, you know, it's not because their admission scores are through the roof or they're just, it's not because they have a pedigree. We just call, we have this, this sense of belonging and community and connection that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, and so Gary's living room for me was a direct example of that. So you get to graduation, and I think that's a, before we go to graduation and, and, and on, I think that's a perfect explanation of, it's that we, we, we all joke, we all call it the bubble. It's the Bethany bubble, but it's, the bubble it, when you're in it is, oh my God, the drama and that you know about everyone and you this and you that. And when you're out of it, it's that when you're in your first job interview, or yep. you're going for a promotion and you have to sit there and speak in front of your bosses or in front of your peers and you're confident. It's not, you're, you don't, like I, I have not, since I graduated, walked into a meeting and been like, oh man, I, I don't think I can do this. Granted, I, I talk a lot. So it's it's easy to talk in front of people for me, but I know there's a lot of people and, and just in the classes that I saw come through from 10 to 16 i mean they the success stories that have come out of there both work um social personal they it's it's weird that we're such a small school but yet the amount of people that come out of it and do well or good for the world uh or for our world i guess is is it's kind of an amazing little and everybody knows everyone you come back on a homecoming and it's I haven't seen somebody in five years. Hey, how are you doing? And it's like, you never left. Um, and that's part of what Bethany brings to. So I appreciate the answer on the, on the, what the brand is. It was a very, very nice answer. Um, 
So you graduate and then you go, you, this is where the fraternity life picks back up, right? So you graduate right. and you end up working for Alpha Sigma Phi National. I got my dream job, Carla. Got my dream job. I, uh, I was, I was a undergraduate representative for Alpha Sigma Phi on our, we call it our grand council, right? It's like an executive board. There are three undergraduates across the country that sit on the board. So I did that my senior year and I was able to use that experience and the relationships I built to get a full-time job working for the fraternity, traveling the country, wanting to do, I thought doing leadership training and education, mm -hmm. which was my major history and education. And I thought, well, I just learned uh, that I don't want to teach. You know, I was te student teaching. I did West Virginia history five times a day for six weeks, you know, and twice, I think. And, and I learned, I'm from Pennsylvania, man. What, like, what am, why am I teaching this, right? You're from and Western learned, Pennsylvania too. So it's hard to be like uh, a right? whiskey rebellion, That's, West Virginia no, history. Right, I'm like, I, I just can't, I can't. So anyway, wait, I survived it, but I realized like, you know what, I probably don't belong in a high school classroom teaching this stuff. That's not my calling, but being an educator, being a teacher, I love that. I want to do it on my terms. And um, the fraternity gave me a chance to build content and curriculum, deliver it to my peers within the context of an organization I care deeply for. And it turns out the only thing that the guys I was working with wanted to talk about was recruitment because that was the biggest problem of the organization. And so I was looking for solutions and uh, my you know, Alpha Sig didn't have any good ones. There was a three ring binder. I'm not kidding, Carl. There was a three ring binder from the early 1990s. And the guy who wrote it, I knew him. I'd met him at one of those conferences and he was one of the most socially awkward men I'd ever met in my life. And I was like, this kid, is this it? This is what we got everybody? This is what we're giving them. This, this, is, is, what we're, this is the answer? Like, and so that just wasn't good enough for me. And so I, I went on a quest, like I was hell bent on solving this problem of like, how do we put more high quality guys in these chapters, you know? And uh, it took me a couple of years to be able to pull answers from other fraternities, Kiwanis, Boy Scouts, you know, military, network marketing, anywhere I could get it, right? And I put together a model that worked. And then I was able to turn that into a business to be able to help all fraternities. It took me a couple of years to convince the interfraternal world that I actually knew what the hell I was doing. You know, I'm a 23, 24 year old kid that's trying to tell a 200 year old organization that I know better than they do how to grow their members. That takes a little time, right? Uh, and so it took me a few years to get it off the ground, but I mean, literally still today, we've just had our, uh, our 19 year anniversary on December 6th, you know, and this is what I get to do full-time every day is help portray the story grow. Interesting date there. Interesting date. Yeah. Interesting date. Um, yeah. December 6th is a founding day was no coincidence. You know <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, Josh is the co-owner and co-founder of Fired Up, which They've come to Bethany that during my time they had come to Bethany, they are a company that comes in and explains to you, hey, we talked about it, and Josh is going to laugh, we talked about it off camera. If people like your president on campus, or people in the house really like, you're the cool guy, yeah, you picked the wrong president, because you got a cool guy, but you're not going to do the responsibilities on the other end, and that starts with the recruitment process of explaining that there's, there's payments that have to be made explaining that there's philanthropy that has to be done, community service. Um, and, and overall, I always took the, the, the memories and the brotherhood. It's not about 30 guys throwing a kegger as much as it is the 20 guys that stand outside at noon on a Saturday 
and are playing pickup basketball on our rinky dink. It's been broken seven times, but we'll fix it and we'll put it in the ground. Those are the memories that stand out more than, I mean, you could talk about any party and everybody will go, Oh yeah, I remember that. But the guys that got to know each other and built those brotherhoods, that's what, if I'm correct, that's what fired up really helps you do by finding those, those diamonds in the rough that might need the guidance from a fraternity or might be the guys that are going to take it academically in the right direction, financially in the right direction, and not necessarily just, oh yeah, you're my best friend. So you get in the fraternity because we're best friends because that doesn't work out all the time. Yeah. Well, whether it's fraternity, sorority, or any organization on campus, you're only as good as the people that you put in the organization, right? And it doesn't take more than one or two great members to put you back on the up or one or two bad members to kill a good thing, right? And so we run the technology and the education to be able to help people make good decisions about putting more quality people in their group. And I just, I love doing this work. It's fun, not only in the fraternity sorority space, it's fun doing this for all member-based organizations. Well, and that led into TechFi, right? Yeah, and so we, we built the technology company to complement the education team. And so there was, we've got a proprietary CRM, you know, customer relationship management that's designed for relationship-based recruitment. And so now you, it's where you track, communicate, uh, and do all of your rec- you know, back-end recruiting of hopefully the highest caliber people in your prospect pool. And you're also the owner of the Social Excellence Project. And I really wanted to talk to you about what is the Social Excellence Project? Yeah, so the uh, the Social Excellence Project was born, actually born out of fraternity. Um, fraternities are social organizations by nature, right? But when people are struggling to do recruitment well, often it's because they're str- they found their friend group in the fraternity and they're struggling to make social connections outside of it. So like sometimes almost half joking, I'll tell you like some fraternity men are the most antisocial people I've met. Right. And we don't join fraternity or we shouldn't join fraternity just to build a friend group and then never have to talk to anybody. The fraternity should be a vehicle for being more social, doing more, having more impact in your campus, your community, your world, finding more belonging and more meaningful lifetime relationships. Right. And so we, we use the social excellence as a framework to be able to help everybody f- embrace being more social, making more connections. Social excellence is the art of human connection. And so we teach everything from basic, hey, how you doing, interactive skills, to more deep dive advanced um, question asking, um, evaluation, understanding can, how to create connection quickly. And, uh, and so it's, again, born out of fraternity sorority, but have had the good fortune to work with, you know, Fortune 500 companies, tons of nonprofits, and, uh, and do some good work, again, thanks to my Bethany and fraternity background. And you also do a little bit of, uh, if, if the resume that I saw is correct, you do a lot of, a little bit of realty work. I saw there's two different realty. I think you've creeping my LinkedIn profile. I was, I was creeping pretty hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it, I told you I'm not very good at just sitting still. Like normal, normal people have hobbies and uh, I keep giving myself side hustles. And so, yeah, so real estate has become a little bit of a side hustle and passion project for me. And there's also a book. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we wrote, uh, so we've written three books, one on fraternity recruitment, one on sorority recruitment, and one on the social excellence message. And uh, the social social excellence message has been really well received and turned into a couple of TEDx talks. The, uh, The two fraternity and sorority books have become bestsellers. 
um, within that within that industry marketplace and have kind of become the go-to resource for modern uh, recruitment techniques. So I'm really proud of yeah all those books. So we've come to those last two questions. You already answered part one. Uh, there were three questions, but you answered at the beginning of the segment. So if you missed what the brand of Bethany is, go back to the beginning of this segment and watch. Uh, Josh, you were a Division three athlete. What That's is true? What is the difference between Division one, Division two, and Division three? Why Division three? Why should somebody not ignore Division three as opposed to if they're not getting into those Division one or Division twos? Again, I can only answer the question from my perspective, right? Um, I, I grew up playing soccer. I loved soccer. I didn't know, I played five sports in high school, but I, my passion was soccer. I also understood that I wasn't gonna play soccer professionally. And so my, I, I was important to me to play soccer in college. That was, a, that was a absolute must have because it was such a part of my identity. But I understood that somewhere in that four year window, that time I would have to have a transition and I would find a new passion in my life. Right. And so D3 soccer for me made sense. And at least it certainly wasn't an issue because I, I didn't think I was going to get a full ride to go anywhere else. So scholarships were off the table, but I could get playing time. I could get community. I could become better at the sport I loved. And at a place like Bethany, I could compete at a high level and it was going to force me to get better. Right. And so I was, for me, it was the right fit um, and I was able to make a, tra a smooth transition from soccer was everything my freshman year mm -hmm. to by my senior year. I, got, I learned how to be a great fan and an advocate for the team. And I had found, you know, fraternity and career passions and all, all new things, thanks to Bethany, that made the transition easy for me. And that leads us into the final question. If you were recruiting a high school senior today and they're yeah. going to be part of the class of 2022, why Bethany? What is the, and you, you touched on it at the beginning of the segment again, with the, yeah. what the brand is, which I think they go hand in hand, but why Bethany? Yeah, it's, for, it's, it's like, it should be an easy question, easy answer, and it's the most complicated answer, right? And so I just, I'm going to oversimplify it and just say, um, for, I think there are some students that need family. They need support. They need a smaller class size. They need to know that they're not going to be forgotten, overlooked. They can't get, in my case, can't get away with things that you got away with in the past. To be put in a place where you know you're going to be cared about and cared for. Um, and there is a high probability that as long as you'll apply yourself and care as much about your future as everyone else around you does, you're going to come out on the other end uh, a better version of yourself, mm -hmm. uh, a version you can be really proud of, and you're likely to be able to launch into life, not just career, relationships, right, civic involvement. Um, you're going to become the person, a, a better person than you probably imagined possible. So I, that was, a, and that's not just my story. I mean, literally, that is the dozens and dozens and dozens of people that I stay connected with from Bethany. We all got there in a little bit of different way, right? We all, all of our backstories are different. We weave through Bethany in different ways. But when you look at the evidence of what happened after graduation, it's, it's mind boggling how uh, something magical uh, is happening at Bethany, that that family environment is creating life success, right? Depending on how it's defined by each person, but it certainly looks like life success. But when you get us all together and we reminisce about what Bethany has done for us. Well, and it's funny, you said we all got here in different ways. It's kind of like coming to Bethany in real life. You either took the straight 
point, which is still real windy, or you took one of the back roads that are really windy, or you took the other back road that's really windy and might still be dirt and gravel. I mean, we haven't paved that one yeah. yet, but and there's no guardrails, and you no. heard the story about somebody you know that's just went over the over the side. Yeah, that's basically life in a nutshell, right? Um, so Josh, I want to say thank you very much for being a part. We've come to that point of the show. I have to, uh, we have to, we have to break. I, we, we can talk, you and I, I think, can talk about Bethany for hours if we really wanted to. Um, you can find us on YouTube, it's Dingo Talk, Instagram, Dingo underscore talk, TikTok, Dingo Talk, Twitter, Dingo Talk. Um, this has been Josh Arendi, class of 1999. I am Carlo Guadagnino. This was the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour, and we will see you next Thursday at 10 a.m. You wanna know by now? You wanna know by now? You wanna know? You wanna know?